Hey friend, I'm Beth Ann Schwamberger, host of the Brilliant Business Moms podcast. This show is all about brilliant women, just like you, who are growing their businesses in the margins. You're juggling nap time and work time, wiping up messes with writing blogs, and I don't believe you need big, impressive numbers or shiny accolades behind your name to be brilliant. This show is about realistic, doable strategies that will work for you and your business right where you are. Big and little wins are celebrated here, and every single one of my listeners is a big deal in my book. Grab your coffee, and maybe the laundry, and be encouraged by business mamas who'll make working in the margins just a little more fun. So today on the show, I have Shante Grant with me, and she's a very successful entrepreneur and mom. She's got two pretty little kids at home, which I know many of you listening do too. And Shante has a very successful hair bow business. And then she's also has a business education business. And one of the burning questions that's been on my mind as I've watched Shante and have learned from her is, how is she doing all the things, which I, I know you're not, <laughs> Shante, but you know, from the outside, that's what we see. And so I'm so excited to have her on the show to be just sharing all of her wisdom with all of us. So welcome, Shante. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited and honored. Thank you again so much. Thanks for coming to chat with me. I appreciate it too. I know you're a very busy. You've got lots of balls that you're juggling in the air. So yeah, I'm excited. Never busy, but yeah, happy to do it. <laughs> That's true. You know what? People say that to me a lot too, especially I feel like that comes up with real in real life friends mm-hmm. of like, oh, I know you must be so busy, but, and I always say to them, I'm like, listen, I'm not so busy. Like I always have time for the people in my life that matter to me. Absolutely. Yeah. It sounds like you've got, yeah, very similar bent that way. Yeah. I mean, what I do is help women build business and life on the other side of busy. So I actually stop people. I didn't want to stop you because this is your podcast, but like I stop people <laughs> in their tracks because I want to denormalize that word. Because if we really said what the word busy actually meant in real life, we'd realize it's it's not something you want to put on someone else or ourselves for that matter. Right. Oh, that's such a good point. Yeah. And I have to say too, so I watch your Insta stories a good amount. And so yeah. I get that peek inside your day. And mm-hmm. I love seeing that because like you said, it doesn't come across as like busy. It comes across as you've got plenty of time for your family, for your kids, but also plenty of time for your audience, for your students. And yeah, it's really fun to see that peek behind the scenes. Thank you. Yeah, I love Insta stories. Kristen Graham stories like it's probably my favorite thing. And so it makes it very easy to show up there every day. And I love it because you do get to show up exactly as who you are. No filters, no, you know, lighting presets, just you and what's really going on. So I love Instagram stories for that. Yeah, it's so fun. So I'd love for you to share a little bit more about yourself and then how you got into your first which I believe it's your first business uh, because of Zoe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so this time, five years ago, I was practicing law as a lawyer and that was my life's plan to practice law, maybe become a judge, maybe teach law school, but stay in the legal field for the rest of my life. I had my daughter, Zoe, and just when she was getting ready to turn a year old, I realized like all of her hair bows that I had ordered from various places looked very similar. And I said, I'm going to try my hand at making some hair bows for her. I'm going to find fabrics that I like and I'm going to learn how to make a hair bow for her. And so 
that's what I set out to do with some cheap fabric from Joann's and some even cheaper scissors that we already had around the house in YouTube. And I started making them and I really enjoyed it. And I didn't consider myself a creative person at all because I didn't think you could be both. I looked at myself as more analytical person. I mean, I was a lawyer, a business litigator. And so I made her bows, long story short, and realized a yard of fabric is going to give you way more than one bow. So I said, I'm going to make a lot of them and just sell them on Instagram. And that'll deal with the leftover fabric. And I did that and sold out that first time. And people ask when the next launch was going to be and when I was going to have more. And so every time I made her bows, I just made more bows and it slowly became a thing to the point where stores started reaching out to me saying, Hey, we saw you on Instagram and could you send us line sheets? And I didn't even know what a line sheet was, but that did pique my interest and made me think if a store likes what I'm doing at my dining room table in the late night hour, and I really love doing this, can this be something that I actually do? Initially, it was like, okay, I can use this to make some extra money or, you know, to do fun things for trips or anything. And what happened was work started to get really sucky and not good and really to an unhealthy place um, where I dreaded every Monday, like Sunday night, I would get that cloud of doom and I was loving this. So I said, let me see if I can get this to match, maybe even beat what I'm doing here and focus on this. And this then gives me the opportunity to, to have far more freedom. And that's what I did in September of 2015. I left the practice of law and I dove in into entrepreneurship and because of Zoe, which is what I also named the company full-time. And I've been a full-time entrepreneur ever since. And I honestly cannot picture myself ever working for anyone else ever again. Oh, I love it. I faced a similar kind of driving to work dread when I was a registered nurse. <laughs> so it, it was kind of sad because it wasn't always that way, but we were understaffed and things just got, yeah, way too stressful. And so I can totally relate to that <laughs> feeling of like, okay, there's got to be a different way to earn a living and be enjoying Monday mornings. Yeah, that feeling is just so heavy. And I just couldn't keep doing that for the next 30 plus years. It's, it's really, really heavy. And it, and just even thinking about it now, I can feel a, a little sagging in my heart. Just It is a heavy feeling every single Sunday night to feel like happy. And then that immediate sadness when you realize tomorrow you get back to something you just don't want to do and you just don't love anymore. Yeah. I love that your goal, I mean, in a lot of ways is helping women not <laughs> to have to feel that way anymore. So exactly. So I would love to hear what steps you took, you know, when you went full time with Because of Zoe, how did you continue to grow it? When I first started, it was just doing all the things, which is how I ended up learning that that's not how you want to grow a business. But it really was. Um, so that was September when I left. I had fourth quarter right there at my fingertips. And that was our best quarter, of course, because I got to be there. So the first thing I wanted to do was rev up our wholesale. I really loved that we were getting into different stores. I made, I was able to be present more um, on social. I don't remember. I don't think I was like heavily, heavily on social media, but I just remember feeling like I could be during the day a little bit more sharing orders. But at that time, I was making 100% of our bows. So it was really just the game of pitching stores, researching stores, making lots and lots of bows and trying to tell as many people about what we were doing as possible. It really was just a game of whack-a-mole every day up, just doing all the things. And that worked in the sense that 
we were making money. We were making, doing really, really well. And it was something that I loved doing. But over time, I realized I wasn't working smart and I wasn't working in a way that was going to really change the trajectory of my life and the way I wanted it to. So what I did was at that time, we were selling so many different products not just hair bows at this point. We were selling loveys, um, blankets, knit headbands, scarves, leather headbands, so many things that we had gotten away from the purpose, like why I really got excited about this. And it was about the hair bow. And so I remember the day I went to Shopify and I just started deleting products. I went and got trash bags and it was just filling them with stuff to donate. And really when I honed in on, we were just getting back to basics. That was probably the best decision I could have made because income shot up because I was just focused now on one thing. There's only one story to tell. Only training seamstresses. At that time, I had started picking up a few seamstresses, how to make one thing as opposed to trying to teach them how to make all the things. And there used to be products when they came in, uh, someone ordered it. I just felt sad. Like, I don't want to make this. And that shouldn't be the point. So I think one of the best things I did after doing the opposite was to really go back to the purpose of what I wanted to be known for. I want it because of Zoe to be synonymous with hair bows, celebrating the joy of childhood and really then also getting clear on that, thinking like a business owner and not a person who just quote unquote, does what I love, you know, cause that's not, there's a difference, right? You can do what you love, but you also have to wear that business owner hat. And when I really realized I was was just really taking what I had been doing as a side joy and doing that same thing for longer hours, that wasn't going to get me to where I really wanted to grow the company. And when I put on that business owner hat and start thinking and acting like a business owner, really honing in on what we wanted to be known for, focusing in on that, and then thinking about how I could get my hands out of the day to day, those are the things that ultimately really grew it and put me in a position to even have space for a second company. I love that. And I have heard from so many successful business owners that that's the pathway they took is simplifying, paring down. And I think it's really hard for a new business owner to accept that Mm -hmm. because, I mean, we see Walmart and Target and think, oh, that's the goal, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I need to be selling everything. And it's like, no, I mean, you can have a hundred million dollar company and still only have like a small focus line of products and one customer really that you're serving. So yeah, I, yeah, I love that advice. So I would love to hear more about how you started hiring seamstresses to help you make your bows, how that process worked, how you figured out strategically the finances of that and, you know, still making a profit. Because I see a lot of women who are stuck feeling like they've got to be the sole makers in their business forever. And like you said, that really can hold them back from growth. Yes. So yeah, originally it was just me making the bows. And I realized very quickly that has to change. And the problem for me initially was I just couldn't find anyone to make them the way I did. And that quality was the number one thing. So one of the things I ultimately did before we really grew our seamstress team was I started changing the style of our bows and to something that would be easier to train people. Because early on, 
training people wasn't even in my forethought, which pause for our lesson here. No matter where you are in your business, if you just started today, if you're starting tomorrow, think and make decisions for your business for when you are going to be bigger and make more and do more. If you think about that now, the way you price, the way you show up, the way you build your business, it's going to benefit you because then you won't have to backtrack like I did. So I changed the style of our bows. And so the bow styles we have right now are not the styles we started with. I love them even more now, particularly because I don't make any of them anymore, but (laughs) I love them even more now, but I had to do something that I could train people to make and teach people how to make. So that came with a big challenge of taking these women who were loyal to me and telling them, Hey, I'm shifting everything. I'm changing everything. And that's a whole whole nother like lesson in like communicating the value, completely making a pivot and bringing your people on with you. And then saying, Oh, I'm also going to charge three times as much now for this, for a product. Right. Because I also had to now go back and factor in paying other people to make the products and all the things that come with that. So once I did that and figured out I need to change this in a way so that I can teach people how to do it, I started local. And so I only hired seamstresses. I did a search through Facebook and knitting groups and asking around. My One of my first seamstresses was my old secretary from an old meaning like prior secretary, not old, um, but my <laughs> secretary from the law firm who retired. And I remember she could sew. And so she was one of my very first seamstresses. And then I realized like, I don't have enough people. Like we're still hiring to this day. We are 365 days a year hiring more seamstresses. But I had to realize I need to broaden this world, well, not worldwide, throughout the US. And so then I had to create a system of like, okay, how am I, I've been used to doing it where I'm literally handing the person, they come to my house, I hand them the the fabric, they hand me the bows, they bring them back to my house. How am I going to replicate that throughout the whole world. Like, how am I going to do that? So I had to put a system in place and that has been tweaked and changed. And now I think we have a really good system, but I had to then, you know, figure out how am I going to interview these people? How am I going to see their products? How am I going to test them without giving them our proprietary work, giving them our samples and giving them our patterns? So I figured out how to do all that and start, I don't know if you want me to go into details of that, but I figured out how to do that because it was necessary. And now we hire anywhere in the US, you can work and be a seamstress for because of Zoe. If you meet all of our standards and pass all the phases it takes to become a seamstress. But it started out again, local. Then I realized I needed more. I needed a a wider net. And that's when we opened it up across, you know, the 50 states. And that's where we are now. So now you can be a seamstress or apply from anywhere within the US. And actually now we, I don't think we even have any seamstresses in South Carolina anymore, which is the state I live in. So that has been a really good change, but it was just kind of you know, learning by doing. I didn't say, okay, as soon as I can figure out the perfect plan, that's when I'm going to start hiring out. I was like, no, I have a need. Let's start with what I have, which is local, and then go from there. I love that. And actually, I I would love to hear more about that process that you were talking about. And I didn't even think about the fact that like, if someone is simply applying, you don't want to give them your proprietary patterns and process and all of that right away. Yep. So that does sound challenging (laughs) to figure out how to do that and see what their level of skill is. Yeah. So what we do is the first thing that they will test with are not our bows. We just found a standard bow that you can probably find by going to Pinterest. And we have them make that because it still will show us the skill of being able to make a small product with precision and quality and detail. And we lose probably 85%, if not more of applicants after that first step. Wow. 
we used to, and so I can tell you another way we've gotten better. We used to mail that first box out. We sent you a box with fabric, clips, nylon, and the instructions. We just recently cut that out because I realized this is a waste of money in a sense. What we now require is you provide the fabric. We'll email you. We email them the directions and they mail it to us. So it costs us $0 to get that first step going because you get so many people applying who just aren't at the level you need them to be. That's a lot of money we've spent in boxes and shipping fees and fabric and our materials. We cut that out. And now the first step, the onus is on you. You get the details and you have, they have 48 hours to get them back in the mail to us, emailing us with tracking. So again, we're not only that we're testing, not just your skill, we're testing. Can you follow rules? Can you get things back by the deadline? Because this is necessary to be a seamstress for us. Every single Monday, we receive a box with bows and every single Monday, a box goes out with fabric. So we need to make sure you're always following up. So we're testing a lot of things early on by switching that. After you send it back, if you pass the first round, then you're sent an NDA that you sign. And that's when you receive a box from us because our bows only work with certain types of fabric. So at that point, we're now sending you the fabric and we're giving you an online training where you go in and you will make our bows and send them back to us. And if you pass that level, then you're brought on for a 90-day trial period. You are paid for every single bow that passes quality as if you were a seamstress for us, but it's just a test because we need to know over these 90 days, are you timely? Are you sending things? Are you packaging our bows properly? Are you taking care of our bows? Are our bows truly being made in a smoke and pet-free environment? All those things we need to know over the next 90 days. After those 90 days, they officially become a Because of Zoe seamstress. And so that's what our process is. And we get way more applications than we do hire, which is why we're always hiring. But we take that very seriously just because of the quality of our product is what we stand by. So that's how it works. And it took probably a year of trying different things to really get to that place where I feel like we have a good groove with the application process. Okay. I'm so impressed (laughs) that like just everything you described, that is such a smart process. And okay. So I would love for you to estimate, for example, if you have a hundred initial applicants, like how many would make it through and be an official seamstress with Because of Zoe? Three to five. Okay. Wow. Yeah. But that's, I mean, you're so correct in that it's really hard to find talented help. They know just what to do. They think about the details. They're on time with their work. I mean, all of that. So I'm sure it pays. I'm sure you've saved yourself so much stress on the back end because then the seamstresses you are hiring on are just excellent. Yes, because the thing is, even if you can make the best bow, if you miss deadlines, we, you're, it's just as if you made terrible bows. Like you have to have all the pieces of the puzzle because I can't promise my audience something and you mess that up because integrity is a personal core value, a business core value. And short of, of course, life happening, mistakes, things like that. I need someone who can show up and be consistent and be professional. When you make your bows, that's 100% up to you, whether you make them in the middle of the night, middle of the morning, whatever, as long as you get them in the mailbox when they need to get to me. So making sure that we actually find people who can do that, that's just as important as having the skill and What I also find is people think, oh, it's a hair bow. I can make that really easy. And I can tell people think that because those first batches we get, they're awful. I would never sell them. I wouldn't even give them away. They're so bad. But the fact that someone thought you could send that and that I would look at that quality and think that 
I'm going to put my, my, like, it's just astounding to me. So yeah, that's why it's such a low, a low percentage, because I think some people just think, oh, it's just a hair bow. Well, that's true. And maybe someone is selling something like that, but not here. Right. You have incredibly high standards. And I'm sure that's a huge part of why your business is so successful because your customers have come to expect that and Mm -hmm. they know it's going to be an impeccable hair bow. Absolutely. Love that. Okay. So you've got this incredible system in place now for because of Zoe. And okay. I am actually curious before we move on. Do you know, like on average, how many hours a week is each of your seamstress spending working for the company? So we charge by the, we pay by the bow, not by the hour, but typically it works out that they're making anywhere 15 to 20 an hour, sometimes a little bit more if they're faster, but they get paid by the bow. And because that's how we pay them, they don't have to turn in hours to us. The only time we get hours is if they're working on a project for us. Actually, I have our head seamstress working on a project this week where we're working on a new bow size. And so she will time her work for that by the hour and get paid 20 bucks an hour for that work. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Let's say you have a seamstress and she's like, I can work round the clock on this. Does she have the opportunity then to get sent more supplies or something like that? Or she's just turning around those bows a lot more quickly? Typically, everyone can do exactly what they are given every week. I don't have anyone who says, I don't have enough or I have too much. Mostly all of our seamstresses are, they work at home. They're not full-time somewhere else. And so they are doing this as their work. And I really, it could range anywhere from 20 to 40 hours. Like some are working you know, fuller time and then some are working less. And then also just depends on the seasons that we're in in our business. So it really does vary. But no one, if anyone gets to the place where they're like, you know, I finished all of these in less time than I normally would, you can send me, you know, five extra yards. Then we will look at that and look at the need and then we'll do just that. Or sometimes we're saying, hey, we have, we're expecting high demand coming up. We're going to send everybody an extra X, Y, or Z number of yards this week or this month in this next shipment and delivery. So it kind of ebbs and flows, but no one is under or overworked. Okay. That makes sense. And my staffing is similar in my business in the fact that just it can ebb and flow, right? It's like, what's going on? Am I creating a new digital product or launching something or am I not? So it is kind of nice to have those independent contractors who are okay with having some busy seasons and then other seasons that aren't quite as busy. Yeah. So you got all of that in order for Because of Zoe and it's rocking and rolling. And then you've expanded to your personal brand. So I would love to hear, because I I see a lot of women struggle with this too, where they're now a successful business owner. They want to teach other people, but they're trying to figure out, can I handle this? Can I have all this on my plate? Is something going to suffer because I'm now adding a whole new thing? Or is it going to be amazing? So I'd love to hear even just your thought process when you were kind of mulling that new brand over. Yeah. So much like because of Zoe, the second business happened not on purpose. It kind of organically grew. I just was at a place where I was getting a lot of emails or DMs from people saying, hey, I've been watching you and you're growing your business a lot. And I've seen you in this store. And how did you do that? Can you talk to me about this? And I would just hit an email and write it back. And then around somewhere after like a month or two of being full time, I realized I've written the same email at least four times 
why don't I find a way to just say it once and put it out there and then direct people to that one place? And so I just started getting on Periscope, which shows you how long ago this was. <laughs> but I would get on Periscope and I would just talk every day about something related to business because I thought, well, this is helpful information that can help people. And people started showing up. I started with like four people and then 30 people, 40 people. And then I realized, okay, these keep disappearing after 24 hours. So what I'm going to do is start a Facebook group. And that way all my videos can live there and people can go and reference them. So I started a Facebook group solely for the purpose of like having the content live longer than 24 hours. And then a very well-known business strategist coach asked me to come and teach in her Facebook group. And that was really the first time I thought like, what am I going to teach? I, I, I don't know anything. I'm just a business owner and being paid for it. And that really was the first time where it kind of like light bulb, like, People just want to know what you already know. We all take for granted the things that we know and are naturally good at. So going into her group and teaching and having her believe in me and see me in that way was very, very important and very huge for me. And so that was like November. And I think that January I started, what did I call it? Profitable Joy. That was like my name for like business education. And I started again, I went right back to the whole, to the whole thing of because of Zoe with, I don't know what I'm going to help people with. So I just say, I'm going to help you grow your business. And what does that even mean? (laughs) And then through that and through doing some one-on-one calls and just experimenting with things back and forth, I realized what I really love talking about and what, no matter what someone came in and said they wanted to talk about, what we really talked about first was really helping people to see big picture and to get organized and to how to actually set like consistency and focus in their business and kind of some kind of structure. And so through that, I eventually branded under my name. I decided to start a podcast and I created my course because I thought this is the thing I actually like talking about. A lot of people thought, kept telling me, you should be a coach for product-based business owners. And I tried to do that for a little bit because it seemed like low-hanging fruit, but I realized I don't like low-hanging fruit. I like the fruit at the top of the tree. I like to figure out like what it is I really like to do. And so it took a lot of trying a little bit of everything to really get to a place where I realized like this is my bread and butter. This is what I really love talking about. This is what I'm naturally good at. This is what I actually have did in my own business. And that kind of is how I got to where I am today with the personal brand. It was really just a lot of trial and error and just meeting the needs of the people who would come to me. And from doing that, I was able to see the commonalities that they had and the commonalities and the things that I really liked talking about where I actually could get them results. I love that you talk about that you learned by doing yeah. because I think so many business owners take for granted that, you know, yes, you can create a plan or you can, you know, sit and dream about your vision, which I think is awesome. But I see business owners who are really stressed out and anxious about what they should be doing. And I find that I'm often telling them like, okay, why don't you just go try that? Go give that, like dip your toe in, give Mm -hmm. it a little try. No one is telling you that you have to offer this for the next 10 years. You know, give this thing a try and see what you think, see what you like and what you don't like. And I just love that. It's so obvious that you're an action taker. I mean, you have accomplished a ton in your business, but I just think that's a really good message for everyone to hear is you can sit and mull and worry all day long, but you still probably won't have the clarity that you need to move forward until you take some action. 
Yeah. The learning by doing is huge because people will use it as an excuse. As soon as I get this, or as soon as I have that, or as soon as I kind of really map it out, here's the thing. Even if you map it out, quote unquote, perfectly in your mind, you don't know if that's going to work until you do it. So I just started with where, where I was, what I had, no email list over there, no really nothing but showing up on Facebook and then going and talking to other people and then figuring out like what I needed along the way. If you just show up with what you have, where you are right now, you have to do that to get to the next place. Like dreaming is not going to move you forward. Planning is not going to move you forward. And I love planning. (laughs) It's one of my favorite things to do, but you have to get up and do something. You have to execute. Otherwise you're just going to be sitting there in that same place this time, next month, next week, next quarter, next year. So true. Okay, so I would love to hear more about some of the key ways that you're helping women in your community and in your program, because my guess is that, like you said, you're seeing kind of the same things come up over and over again. Yeah. And I think my audience is quite similar to yours. It's a lot of moms who are growing their business in the margins. And Mm -hmm. what would you say to these women if you could, you know, sit down face to face with them and say, okay, friend, like this is, this is what you need to know (laughs) in order to make this work. Yeah. One of the things I want to preface is I did not say this as I was growing because of Zoe. When I first left the practice of law, I had a 10 hour workday because of the school my daughter was at. She was at a school that worked with both of me and my husband being out of the house during the day. So she was in school. I would drop her off. He picked her up, brought her home. So that first year I had a 10 hour workday. And that second year we switched her over to Montessori when she was old enough to start Montessori school. And now I knew I wanted to pick her up from carpool. That was one of the things I knew I wanted to be able to do. So that cut my workday down in to five hours. So I had one business with 10 hours. And at the time it got cut to two, I had started a second business and a podcast. So I doubled and a half what I was doing and I cut in half my time. And then in 2018, 2019, I had my son in July and he has been home with me 365 days, like his whole life. He is still here. He's been home with me. And so I had a nap time work, work hour, which was you know, whatever every day, (laughs) maybe an hour, maybe 30 minutes, maybe two minutes, maybe no minutes. And just in July of 2019, so not even three full months, we brought in a nanny two days a week. So I work two days a week, Wednesday and Thursday, eight to two 30. And then I go get my daughter from carpool, come home and then the nanny leaves. And so all of this time I've been growing businesses more business is growing and time for me is just dwindling. Yet it has worked beautifully because I learned how to put a system in place and I learned how to focus on what matters most. And so I say that as evidence that one of the beliefs people have is that they don't have enough time. And time is not the enemy. Time is actually the gift. It's what are you doing in that time? And so in Peace, Pace, Progress in the framework, it's a four-step framework, release, visualize, focus, and execute. I show you how what you have is enough and how to deal with that. Each step of the framework helps in some form or fashion with that. But what that has shown me over this year is that whatever amount of time you have, whether it's 30 minutes a day, 30 hours a week, or somewhere in between or more, 
you have the time you need to grow your business. It just may not look like Sally or Jasmine or Krista or whomever is doing that. So the first thing is I had to put my blinders on because I'm growing my business while I get to have my son at home with me, which is what I desire. And if that's not your desire, wonderful. We all get to do that. But that I wasn't going to use it as an excuse for not moving forward. I just moved a little differently, slower, but consistently. And so I always use, and actually the on the logo for Peace Pace Progress, there is a tortoise because I love the story of the tortoise and the hare because everyone's money was on the hare because it's faster, it's quicker, it's it's agile. But the secret to the tortoise is that it never stops. It keeps moving. And that's me. Like this year, I just kept moving. It just may have been at 15 minutes a day, 30 minutes a day. Now it's two days a week, seven hours, 14 hours a week. I am moving and I'm not going to stop. I'm going to work. I'm going to be consistent because I know that what I'm doing matters. And because of that, it has paid off tremendously. For my personal brand, this has been our best year. And it's been the year I literally had the least amount of time. And so one of the things I try to help women see is stop looking at the things that you think are your limitations, because those are a lot of reasons, the things that make you even stronger, like having the limited time meant I had to get real clear on my purpose, on my vision for my company and where I wanted to go and what I wanted. Being a mom means that I know that there's something bigger than me, that there's something more important that I am working towards. And that is building a business that allows me to be with him and play with him and be here with him. So I think all the things that a lot of people look at as things that are liabilities are actually assets. So that's the first thing. It was a really long one, but that's the first thing about time. And the second thing is with the Peace Face Progress Framework, the thing I get here the most from the women, because it is, of course, my audience, they are all women, is that it helps them to learn how to focus and actually really answer the question of like, what is it that I really want? That's a question I ask people. Like it's one of the first questions I ask, what do you want? Because once you know that, then you know how to proceed. If you're just getting up every day and moving and you don't know what you want, it's not attached to getting you what you want, What, no matter what it is. If your want is, I want a million dollars to throw on the floor and swim in, perfect. <laughs> Let's figure out how to get you there. If what you want is, I want to pick up my daughter from carpool every day, which is what I wanted, perfect. How am I going to build something around that? Because I could let her go to after school and work a longer day, or I could have the nanny come five days a week and work longer. But I am building my business to bless my life and that's why it does that. And so I teach women that you can do exactly what you want, where you are, what you have. And I just give them the framework and how to do that through the Peace Pace Progress Four Steps Framework so that they can execute out their vision. And so that's how it works. The four steps, release, visualize, focus, and execute, really teaching them how to build consistency and structure in their business so they can focus only on what matters and make it happen so they can stop using time and also stop using what I call the O word, like overwhelm. Mm -hmm. I do not like that word because if you say it, you automatically feel it. It has a, so much power that I don't even like to give it like the, the weight of saying the word, but that in a nutshell, although that wasn't a nutshell is what I do. <laughs> no, that was really good. And I love that analogy of, you know, the tortoise and the hare and you are, I mean, I see you showing up on Insta stories all the time. Like you mm -hmm. are consistent. I love that. And as you were talking about that, it got me thinking about in my own business for a bit there, I was the hair mm -hmm. and it really kind of bit me in the bottom, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, because, you know, I went through a season where before my second child was born, my older son was in full-time school 
And so then, yeah, I had all this time and then I started hiring more people and like going all out basically. And it was great for a season and I was growing really quickly, but then I completely took for granted what life was going to look like once my son was born. Mm -hmm. And which, by the way, my first, (laughs) my first child was adopted and we brought him home when he was two and a half. So I really had no (laughs) perspective on life with a newborn. I mean, Mm -hmm. I obviously tried to learn. But yeah, I I mean, similar to you, I'd like I wanted that time with him. And so that's what I did. But because I didn't have the systems in place and that clear focus, it really like a lot of things kind of tumble down. And now I'm slowly building them back up. And like you said, constantly asking that question, like, what do I want? You mm-hmm. know, I don't, I don't need to do this like anyone else is. I need to figure out what do I want? How can I combine with what I want with what my people want, you mm-hmm. know, <laughs> and, and make that work together. So I love that. You keep, you keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I will. Okay. And speaking of that, and I know we probably only have a few more minutes, so I'll try to make this quick, but I'm curious about your course and the systems you have in place to make sure you don't get overwhelmed with your students, because that is something I struggled with as well. I basically took my most successful course and then took it off the table because I felt so overwhelmed when I would (laughs) serve new students. And now looking back, I just think like, whoa, I could have I could have tweaked a few things and made it continue to work and instead of, you know, throwing it in the trash, essentially. (laughs) Yeah. One of the best things I did was to hire a community director. And that took a mindset shift because it was really hard for me initially when I first heard that whole concept introduced to me because I thought I am very big on relationships and being present for my people. And I always want them to know that I'm here because I truly want to see you win and succeed. Like, I think my mission is to help women win. Like, I just love it so much in any form or fashion. Just watching women win and soar is like, that's it for me. And I thought bringing someone into our community to answer, you know, logistical questions. And really now in hindsight, it's so silly that it almost doesn't make sense. But back then, this is what I really thought, like even having them in the group and posting, you know, the events or when the calls are going to be or pulling up a Zoom call. Like, I don't know why I was thinking about all that was necessary for me to do. And actually, it just makes no sense now that it sounds funny even explain it. But I brought her in. And so what she does is her job is to make sure every student is seen and heard. And so it also allows me to just do what I can alone do, and that is to teach and to coach and to guide, and then also to create so that we can be space rocks and always get better. We actually just released all brand new content, everything re-recorded, workbook redone, just a massive overhaul and made it even better. And I wouldn't have had the time to do that if I was also, like I said, pulling the Zoom link, sending the weekly email with what's going on, talking to the graphic designer about graphics that we needed, posting when we would have calls, like all the logistics, answering the little questions about things that she can answer. So that was one thing that helped me to really, again, putting on the business owner hat and not the, I think everybody should, I should do everything hat. That was really helpful because now Rachel, and now we're actually going to start, we can tell in 2020 growing this as a team so that it's not just one person. We have like a, we're going to start a whole client success team, but hiring someone to do the things that I don't have to do was big. 
So that again, on the monthly calls, I show up, I answer the questions and I have the time to create. So that was one thing that was really helpful this year, particularly because I am home with my son and I only work two days. And so in the days I don't work, I'm not in the group. I try my best not to get into the group unless Rachel lets me know there's something urgent, which that has yet to happen. That was the first thing I did. The second thing I did was to invest in a program to learn how to better position myself to put it out there in the world in a way that didn't take launching. I don't enjoy launching and I just don't want to do that ever again, um, especially like consistently over and over and over time. So just educating myself was really helpful. And it taught me also how to hire other people to assist me so that really all I get to do is to show up and do the things like speak on stages, speak on to you on this podcast, create content, which is what I was doing this morning. All this morning, I've been writing content for fourth quarter all morning long. And then I took a call with my group coaching students and now you. So it's like, I get to spend my day doing the part that only I can do and let everyone else do the things that they're better at. They're better at going through my inbox and they're better at right now. We're in the middle of moving from convert kit to active campaign. Like someone else I hired to do that because I, one, don't want to do it. And two, someone else is better at it. So being okay with stepping out and just focusing on the thing that I do. I think that's part of the reason why we have been successful. The little time I have, I use it doing the thing that actually makes the business money. And then also that allows me to allow another woman to do something she loves and that she's good at and have income. So I think everybody wins. That has been one of the best things that I could have done this year was really being okay with just being the content creator, the educator, and stop being the, you know, the administrative assistant, the community director, the website person, the every person, which sometimes you have to start that way. I had to start that way, but I realized that only got me so far and I needed to change who I was and how I thought about business to go to where I want to go in my company. Right. And now you're doing the things that you're amazing at and you get to just focus with the time and attention you do have. It all goes into that. Yeah. And that's where so much good stuff. The reason I was able to completely add so much new stuff to Peace Pace Progress is because I could have a day where all I did was sit and think or all I did was go back and read through the feedback we've gotten and the questions we've gotten and call students and talk to them one on one and say, hey, I'm thinking about revamping this. Let me know what were you thinking at this point in the course and what was this and how did this help you? I'm having the time to really create a product that I'm proud of so that now I can spend all of 2020 telling the world about this product that I am so proud of and confident in that we've rebuilt. Now, now I have my mission statement for 2020 when I will have more time. So I think that's why 2019 has really been a gift because of the, the fewer hours. Like I say, most people will look at that as a liability. It was a huge asset because I had to make decisions based on like, what am I going to do if I literally only get 15 minutes a day when he naps, which is was true, then I need to make sure I'm only doing the things that only I can do. It really set me up for where we're headed next. Love that. Well, this has been so much fun, Shante. I love learning from you and hearing what you're up to. And Side note, I totally forgot to mention this in the email I sent over. So typically I end my show, I always ask my mompreneur guests if they have a funny or an adorable mom moment to share. Hmm, I'm sure I do. I just so many. Well, so Liam, my son, he is one years old now. 
And I've been trying to teach him, like, say, when I want to kiss, I'll say, mommy wants a kiss. But, and he's finally figuring that out. But one of his favorite things to do whenever he hears his name is he'll cover his face with one hand because he thinks he's doing peekaboo. But he's not, he's just covering half of his face. But he thinks, like, he's disappearing because the (laughs) nanny will say, like, where's Liam? So if he hears his name, he thinks you want to play, like, where's Liam? And he puts one little hand over one of his eyes and, like, his little teeth, which he only has, like, four and a half. (laughs) You can see he smiles he's just so proud that he's hiding and it's just so cute because I'm like it's just half your little face so that's the first thing that came to mind it's just it's the cutest thing he gets so excited he gets so proud about it and he smiles with those little teeth and he covers his face with the one hand and he opens it up and you're like whoa there he goes and he doesn't understand like we see you son you didn't cover your face with both hands (laughs) it's so cute (laughs) my son Levi's like just over two and yep he still thinks if he he'll use two hands now but he he still thinks we can't see him. Yep. It's just the cutest <laughs> yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> that is so cute. Well, thank you again, Shante. And can you remind everyone where's the best place for them to find you online? Absolutely. Yes. I love Instagram. As we said, I'm at Shante Grant. That's S-H-U-N-T-A-G-R-A-N-T on Instagram. And then the best place to learn more about Peace Pace Progress is simply peacepaceprogress.com. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you.